Hi, this is the Always Be Watching podcast. My name's Chris. I'm here with uh, my buddy Dan. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good. You surprised me by starting to do the intro. I had like funny intro stuff worked out. You can do it now. No, that's fine. Um, we are joined by a very special guest today, our friend Simon. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, I must say. Simon's got a surname. I, f- I forget what it is. But <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Simon Foster. I'm the managing editor of the website ScreenSpace, and it's an absolute joy to be here. I kind of want to hear Dan's funny intro, because I know Dan, and he can be funny. He can be funny. Look, it's not wildly funny, and this has been over. Oh, no, it's not now. wildly funny. It was going to be a quietly sort of humorous thing if you're just putting on your headphones for the first time going, oh, what's this about? Sh- shall I just do it? Just do, do it. it. Do just it. do okay. it. Hey, folks, this has always been watching. This is our regular discussion about what we've been watching on TV and movies. This isn't funny I'm joined at all. here. Oh, hold tight. I'm joined here by a panel who have very controversial Star Wars opinions. We've got Christopher Yates, favorite Star, fil- Star Wars film, go. Solo. Simon Foster. Um, uh, traditionally, the first Star Wars. Uh, the That's not what you said a moment ago. But I am a huge Rogue One fan. And cried, me, cried like a baby. And me, Ewoks, Battle for Endor. <laughs> I believe that. Now, if you want to hear funny part, if you want to hear more quality takes, here we go. I said it was quietly amusing. Quietly amusing. And of course, I like Empire Strikes Back better than Solo. But you know, I mean, like Obviously. out of the new ones. Yeah, you're not a monster. <sighs> also, yeah. The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie ever. No. But whatever, you're going to get emails go. yeah. from me. Bring it on. They can bring it on. I'll fight them all with the rest of my SJW army. Now, just because I'm um, unexpectedly taking the reins here today, we're going to do something a little bit different with our... We're not just going to talk about the things we've watched, uh, me and Dan backwards and forwards, three times boring everyone crazy. We're going to bring in uh, Mr. Foster as well to talk about some things that he's been watching. Oh, look, Miss- who knows my surname all Mr. Foster sounds like somebody's got a crush. <laughs> I was just trying to make up for being rude before. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I think we're going to start by... Me asking you, or are we going to start by you asking me? Uh, we can go with you asking me. I'm, I'm going to ask you, Dan. Dan, what did you have for dinner last night? <laughs> hey, just kidding. What have you been watching? Well, I actually made something rather delicious. <laughs> oh, tell us. No, whatever. If you don't want to hear about my turkey, mince, and rice thing, whatever, it's all fine. It does I, sound good. It was pretty good. It was a bit of a zesty lemon thing. It doesn't matter. I've been watching a TV show. Look, I like to go highbrow. I like to go lowbrow. I went highbrow this week with a show called BH90210. Wow, really? You've seen that? Yeah. I'm excited. Where did you see it and what's it like? Uh, Well, I watched it through Waze. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So it is airing in the US right now. Hasn't got an Australian... Actually, I think it's got an air date for about a week or two from now on Channel 10. Wow. I should have written down that date. This is very exciting for me because a man of my vintage, uh, Beverly Hills 90210, the original, was kind of a big deal. Do you remember the first time you ever watched 90210? Uh... I remember one time I watched it vividly. All the cousins were gathered around and a whole family event came to a grounding halt because we all had to watch Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> that night. So. I vividly remember watching the first episode too. Do Such was really? the yeah. hype around it. Yeah, what, was absolutely. Was this the first episode or was it just... Probably not the first episode. I can't even recall if I was on from episode one, but it very quickly became must-watch TV. But Chris, I you def- remember the I first one? I definitely was on from episode one, yeah. Uh, so I grew up... At this stage, I was living in Adelaide as a kid, so I presume that it aired on Channel 10 everywhere on Friday. But they didn't have any TV in Adelaide, yeah. no, I don't think. It was like a weird, like, there was wires everywhere. It was, yeah. <laughs> they were celebrating the 10th anniversary of electricity that time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We finally got water. It was, you know, it was a good time for all. But yeah, so it was Friday night, 7.30. I remember my sister and I sitting down watching this show. I've got very strong memories of seeing both Dylan and Brenda on the back of Dylan's bike going up the hills. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful I, memories. Huge I remember. I, yeah, I definitely remember because it starts with them moving there, right? And yeah. it start, that's the whole from thing from Minnesota. Yep. Look at Minnesota, feeling California or whatever. Um, <laughs> they, uh, 
yeah, and it's it was a, obviously a big part of television when I was a young person as well. Absolutely. So just it would have been seven or eight weeks after we watched that first episode, not together, obviously, but when we did, maybe you were there. Might have been. Uh, there was the incident with uh, David's friend from the, you know, his other nerdy friend who shot himself. Yes, you that's know? right. Strong memory burn. Um, I've got, like, strong memory burn of so much of the stuff maybe the first, like, three or four years before I stopped watching and then I went for, like, another six years after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it just right. kept on going. And that's fine. I think TV shows that are quite terrible should just keep on going. Yes, and we all are yeah. in agreement on that, definitely. Exactly. So, having heard all of us, we've all got fond memories of 90210. And I think if 90210, a revival of the series, came on the screen, we'd all be interested in at least checking it out. We would definitely have to check it out. Yeah. Is there a peach pit? Okay, so... We're I just, knew. Yeah, maybe we should just do this Q and A style, and we just ask you questions well, about. What I knew about. going into it, it would be terrible, right? And the show absolutely lives up to my expectations. <laughs> That's good. That's good. But hit me with questions because I think this is the best way to approach this. All right, you want to go first? I know, well, you just asked one already. Well, is there a peach pit? The series opens up in the peach pit in a dream sequence. <gasps> it opens with a dream sequence. Opens with a dream sequence. That's bold. That Tori Spelling is having. Because wow. what you need to realise about the show is that it's not a revival series per se with all the characters like coming back. Rather, it's the actors from 90210 who are coming back for, to California to all meet up for... Actually, I don't think it's California. They're going somewhere. For a reunion uh, like fan event that's taking place. Like what? a 90210 a convention. So they've all been like brought back for that. And then when they all meet up, they're like, you know what? We should do a new version of the TV show. So it's like a behind the scenes. It's like when Curb Your Enthusiasm did the behind the scenes of the Seinfeld about? revival. Are you joking? No, this is, this is what, this is is what the, the show is. Show is. This is what BH90210 is. So it's about them staging a revival for the Beverly Hills 90210 series, but with them, you know, interacting together. So it's like a little bit of a humorous soapy of the production of a revival of 90210. Good Lord. That seems way more complicated than okay. it had to be. Now start asking me your questions. <laughs> well, do like, does Jenny Garth call Jason Jason? And yes. Do, so they're actually sort of referring to themselves in their Absolutely. actors' names. Because they are the actors' names. Do we see them filming scenes from the new show? I've only watched the first episode, so no, but I believe that starts happening. And if they don't come back to California, how can it be Beverly Hills 90210? It's called BH90210. Oh, well, pardon him. And also it's because it's the name of the show that they are producing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is kind of a behind-the-scenes look mm-hmm. at Hollywood TV production and how all the friends have got back together to put on a show. Absolutely. And, okay. But Luke- also, you should keep in mind that some of the relationships that they have in the show, like their husbands and wives, yes. aren't their real husbands and wives? They're characters that are created for the show. And they have dramatic tension between the two of them. So Jenny Garth doesn't get along with Jason Priestley anymore. And right. So there's issues going on. So that's where the drama of the show comes in. Well, it does sound dramatic. Much like Kirby Enthusiasm and it's kind of stretching of the reality Absolutely. a little bit there. Now, obviously, while it's part drama, it's also part comedy, which I think lends a very important question. Is it funny? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is there reference to, I'm assuming it was done before Luke Perry's unfortunate passing? So in the very first episode, when all the characters get together... Uh, one of them says something along the lines of, uh, it's great to all be together. And then I think maybe Jason Priest is like, sadly, not all of us. And then they all look to the distance and think about the one that isn't there with them. So would that have been dropped in afterwards or has that happened? No. Or it's all happened since it's, then. It's all been filmed very recently. Wow. Yeah. 
This is wow. madness. Is it made by... Also, um, the show was already in... Pre- Jesus. The show was in pre-production, so they knew what was going to happen yep. sure. before Luke Perry um, had passed, but he'd already said they didn't really want to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, they didn't have to like do that much. It's not they had to write him out. Also, I'm- Shannon Doherty originally wasn't going to be part of it at all either, but with Luke Perry's passing, I think she had a bit of a change of mind and came oh, back. Really? And, so she's not one of the main characters, but she kind of comes into it. Is yep. it made by Aaron Spelling? Well, he's well, been dead for quite a while. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so well, the, is it made by the follow-up question then? is, who's making it? Who's making it? Uh, well, if you really want to go for the quality that BH90210 demands, you don't go to people who know what they're doing. You go to Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling as the executive producer uh, of the show. I'm glad Tori okay. Spelling's involved anyway, because that's you know seems like she should at least have the, the, legacy um, the, 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 yes, the, the legacy. The problem is that when you've got the two of them who are making the show and calling all the decisions on it effectively, so they're not obviously running a writer's room or actually show running. So I've got two other people who I can't remember what their credits were. I think they might have worked on the 90210 like, remake that they had a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, But I, I don't remember what their credits were. And I wasn't that inspired to really go and find out either. No. Uh, so these guys, they're not really particularly great. But also it means that it's being filtered through the idea of what Tori Spelling and Jenny Garth find entertaining. And if you think about the two of them, they're not yeah. really the people that I want to see this filtered through. What would have been cool is if it was like a real creative person that they just found. And they're just like, you know what? Do whatever you want with our legacy. Just, you know, be creative about it. Like, I think there's some fun stuff you can do with that as a setup, but it doesn't exist in the show because it starts with silly dream sequences and it's just... Mm. It's ridiculous stuff. I don't want to seem shallow in any way. Oh, no, please be. <laughs> but it has been a number of years since the original show went off the air. The answer to your question is terrible. Okay. <laughs> How are they all looking? Now, Jason Priestley, he went off to a career as a high-speed uh, car racer and had some terrible accidents. He also directs a fair bit of TV around does, the place. He does behind-the-scenes stuff. He's been starring in a Canadian TV drama that I forget the name of. Oh, well, so does he, and he's in it. Yeah. Um, where... <laughs> Can we put them on the scale of good work done or not good work done? Who's come out of it the last 20 years looking their best? Oh, look, I'll actually say this. I think everyone actually looks quite good considering it's been quite a while since that show's been off the air. Ian Ziering? Um, Ian Ziering, he looks fine. After all the Sharknadoes? Especially after all the Sharknadoes. <laughs> okay. he's, so, probably, he's probably one of the ones that had the best career out of all of them, which is hilarious. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I think Jason Priestley's Best been doing is a okay. relative to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Tori and Jenny, they've been doing their reality show stuff. Like, sure. you know, they're right. all living their best lives. Right. Okay. Okay, but I was listening to an interview with um, Billy on the Street, Billy Eichner. Mm-hmm. He was talking to, I think, Conan O'Brien. And Conan said, you're looking great. And Billy said the most honest thing I've ever heard from anyone in Hollywood. And he said, well, that's because I've got money now. Mm. And he said that he's actually got the money to be able to eat healthy. He can hire a trainer. Like, he's got the tools now to actually be able to look like a healthy, you know, attractive person. Sure. And he was really open in saying that. And I was thinking about that watching 90210. Mm. And these are all people of whom, you know, I'm sure they're not, like, wildly wealthy. Tori's probably doing that. Tori's probably wildly wealthy. That's money. The rest of them have, like, decent Hollywood money that's probably, like, enough to be quite comfortable. Yeah. And I'm sure they probably have enough money to maintain, like, good health. Yeah. Okay, so, and they look it, like, all of them look good. The only one who doesn't look great is Gabriel Cateri's, mm-hmm. and part of the reason for that is that she's actually quite a bit older than the rest of them. Well, I remember well, yeah, that she now. Was older at the beginning, yeah. Right, yeah. She has spent many years as the head of the Screen, screen Actors, Actors Guild. Guild in Hollywood. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think there's been some terrible infighting there. Um, yeah, so Matt- she's sort of struggling to keep that job now. Yeah, I think, I think Matthew Modine is going for that gig and yeah. some other notable name. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, she was much older. What about the parents? 
Uh, well, uh, James Eckhart, who played the father, I think died a couple of years ago. Oh, sorry to hear that. But I think the lady who played the mother, whose name isn't coming to mind right now, I don't believe I know James Eckhart's name. Yeah, uh, but she, I think, makes an appearance. I think her name's Cindy something or other. Okay. Cindy Pickles? Sure. It's okay. not Cindy Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> who was an actress? I was yeah. trying to... Um, the reason I mentioned uh, Aaron Spelling before, I mean, there was a bit like it was almost controversial at the time that Tori Spelling was in the show because she was kind of terrible at it and um, didn't really... <laughs> didn't have the same look as the other people in it. So there was this, all this obvious stuff about nepotism. And, um, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of getting around to the fact that that's how I kind of knew who Aaron Spelling was and that's when maybe sort of you know it became there was a lot of talk about him and there was a lot of talk about all the shows he's produced this is going to sound like a one of those things that I just lie about but um Dan came over my house about a week ago. I was about to follow up this question with, what's the most recent Aaron Spelling program you've watched? And um, Dan brought his uh, his his uh, Chromecast device. Well, no, my Chromecast, but he brought his CBS All Access. Oh, Ten All Access. Ten All Access app, and we watched The Love Boat. Oh, um, wow. Just two straight guys sitting around on a Friday night watching sure. The Love Boat. Well, straight's a relative term. And it was... Uh, <laughs> It was it was it was almost uh, it was almost entertaining, and there was a number of reasons for that. One of which was, of course, Rue McClanahan. Rue McClanahan. Rue McClanahan was in it. There were, actually it was an amazing. Ep- you just Who picked it by cards? random. Didn't you? It was random so episode. Good. Rue McClanahan, yeah. and she was in the episode married to uh, what's his name from the Mary Tyler Moore show in Caddyshack. Yeah. Oh, uh, Knight Ted Knight. Yeah, Ted Knight. Knight. Yeah. Yes. So she's married to Ted Knight. Donnie Most from <laughs> Happy Days was in it. Yeah. Who, um, who was like just like. So unbelievably bad at acting. Oh come on! Did you not see that moustache that he had? So bad. He like, was not Potsy. Who was? He was the other he was one. Ralph. 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 Yes, yep, okay. Yeah. Uh, also, the lady that played Joni in Happy Days, yeah, she was, she in, was it, in it too. In so an was, unrelated storyline. They line. didn't even have a scene together. It was Aaron really Moran. weird. Yeah, yes, Aaron Moran. Aaron Moran. Uh-huh. I knew it was Aaron. I can think of her. So yeah, Aaron Moran. Yeah. Uh, That's a good cast. episode. There was like another four or five really good people <laughs> in it. It was amazing. And then when we started flicking and like all of them had big stars in it and stuff. It was quite It was quite interesting. And it was just, uh, you know, he was obviously, Spelling was a very savvy dude. Like he was very able to pull his um, ideas out of just really what what were just you know really simple ideas but he was the people's producer yeah chucked it together in a way that was just wildly popular and almost watchable <laughs> <laughs> now was this love boat Lauren Tew's love boat or it was about I think we Jill. worked out it was fourth season and I think it, it was Lauren Tews okay. I think yeah as in she was the um, cruise director the cruise director Julie the cruise yes. director Julie the cruise yeah. director it was definitely Julie I, or were there I'll, two Julies no, it was no, a different character, there was wasn't a different it? When one she, yeah, it was definitely there Julie. Was Tiki. Oh no, that was Buck Rogers. Also in the episode was Darren McGavin from Colchuck the Night Stalker. <laughs> well, he was the captain. Oh no, Darren McGavin. Who was the captain of the boat? Uh, um, that was Stubing. also from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Uh, captain Stubing. Captain uh, Stubing. Uh, yeah. Oh jeez, we're testing it. Gosh. Anyway, it was pretty, uh, uh, no. Ga- uh, Ga- Ga- Gavin McLeod. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we got there. Yeah. This is on your radio right now. <laughs> and also Peter Graves from Mission <gasps> Impossible. Oh, wow. All in the same episode. It was amazing, yeah. Incredible. But anyway, as entertaining as The Love Boat was, way more entertaining than BH90210. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so we'll watch yeah. out for that on... Ten All Access. We can stream The Love Boat right now. Okay. And then BH90210, you can watch at some point on Channel 10. Love Maybe. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Doesn't sound like it's getting... A, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe it won't happen. So The Love Boat, watch it now. Yes. 
Uh, moving on, uh, Chris, we'll go for you and then we'll wrap yep. up with Simon. Uh, uh, so, Chris, what have you been watching? I'll be really quick. Well, I, Sorry, uh, Beyond the Love Boat. <laughs> Beyond the Love Boat. This is a, uh, a bit of an excuse to talk about this. Um, this is all an excuse, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the streaming service that I uh, was, was tipped off to by my friend Xavier who said, um, there's this thing, I don't know if it's real, I don't know if it's legit, it's called Tubi. Check T- it out. T-U-B-I. T-U-B-I, Tubi. And um, I, because I'm, I refuse to uh, pay any attention, I, I, I will not participate in the pirate culture or the piracy culture. Good I'm, for you, brother. I'm just lying about that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, I did want to check and see if it was legit because it plays so well. It's an amazing app. It's full of... So I think I worked out, you know, you, you just put it on your device and you Chromecast it and stuff. It's full of like just stuff that um, a couple of big studios have got obviously lying around in cupboards that nobody's paid any money for for a and, long time. And when you're saying big studios, you mean the bottom rate... No, like there's really like, dodgy stuff that you're finding for two dollars ninety nine in a JB bin. Yeah, but I read seeing that it was like Paramount or somebody was a was an owner of it, and it was heaps of theirs just sort of garbage that they. Well, they don't have any bad films, do they? But um, <laughs> exactly, you know, they've all got bad it's stuff, Paramount. right? So it's all sitting there. Um, but, but yeah, so for an example, I'm looking through their most popular collection right now, yeah. and they've got Titanic two, yeah. everyone's favorite Titanic <laughs> movie. Sure, uh, they've got a film called Don't Get Caught, which is a Tubi exclusive. Yes. Uh, there's got... a film called Going to America. Yeah, it looks quite similar to Coming, Coming to America. Uh, 2012 Ice Age. Um, but anyway, the thing I watched, we're digging around. I, dug, I got pretty deep because much more than watching movies, what I like to do is actually um, look at movies that I might want to watch and just browse them for a long time, as I used to do in the video stores and mm-hmm. window shopping. Um, well, there's also heaps of... There's actually a bunch of Bruce Lee films and a bunch of Shaw Brothers films on there, too. Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, really cool things there's in there. So I'm looking right cool now, stuff. there's, like, the Western film Django, uh, Mad Dog Morgan's on here. Yeah, there's a, a ridiculous amount of cool kung fu stuff. But the thing that I watched was not related to any of that. It was a little uh, one-off documentary that I'm sure you both heard of called Breakfast with Blassie. Tumbleweeds. We've not, I've not heard of this film. It kind of rings a bell, but I don't know. Okay, so My Breakfast with Blassie was the uh, the brainchild of Andy Kaufman and <gasps> the um, the wrestling... Uh, the wrestling... Well, he was a wrestler, wasn't he? Um, Blassie. And then he became one of the big... He was like... Became one of the bosses or one of the managers of the... Um, of the Federation or, okay. or of a bunch of wrestlers. Because Andy Kaufman had a terrible run-in with the wrestling organisation called The More Fakes, and then he had the famous fight on television. Yes, which so this, that's right. Neck. So this is after all which that. Which was on so, Letterman, wasn't it? Yeah, so... Yes. So, um, yeah, Letterman... Um, so basically Andy Kaufman, uh, the genius comedian, had at this point in his... Uh, in, at this point in his career, I think had wrestled about a thousand women. This was, this was not a thing he did. This is like you talk about Andy Kaufman being a wrestler. This was not a thing he did for a few no. weekends and got over. This, he threw himself fully into this. This was at the same time that Taxi was the biggest show on television in America, and he was the biggest star of it. He basically invented that kind of the ethnic stereotype character, mm. um, which has you know obviously still popular in programs such as. Whatever that, um, you know, the one about the nerds that watch TV. That, that, that was know, the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, the Big Bang Theory, um, which still has those exact kind of characters in it. Uh, so this is a. This, so this was sold as a. Um, it's a. It goes for about forty-five minutes, and it's literally Andy and Blassie, and they're meeting up. Fred Blassie is his name, and they're meeting up in a restaurant to have breakfast, and it starts with this uh, incredible narration from Kaufman, which is like. Um, 
after my big fight with, I can't remember the name of the wrestler that he fought with on, on the TV, but on the Letterman show. But um, Letterman recently on one of the episodes of uh, his new show, um, I think it's the one with... My um, next guest needs no more introduction with David Letterman. Yeah, and it's when he's talking to the Between Two Ferns guy, Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach straight up asked him, you know, like, did you did you know what Calvin was going to do when he came on and stuff? And he was like, yeah, to a degree. Like, he knew that that one was going to happen and that he knew that they were going to fight each other and stuff. Didn't know to quite to the extent of it. Mm. And it's all been revealed as like, you know... It, it, Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler, Jerry yeah. Lawler. And so, um, you know, Lawler and Kaufman have been friends for years. Kaufman and Blassie were friends for years. He obviously went to a lot of... He did a lot of research on how to kind of be the villain and that's what he wanted to do and that's what it was all about. Sure. He wanted to be hated and, and it's definitely succeeded in that for a while. So anyway, but this thing is just so incredible to watch. It's kind of like... You, you watch the first 20 minutes of it stuck to the screen and the second 20 minutes of it kind of like, oh, it's probably going to end soon, I hope, because I really <laughs> want to get to the end of this thing, but Jesus, it's hard to watch. Blassie is just like the most awful dude in the world. He like, he's just, um, there's a there's a uh, waitress from Thailand who's who's pregnant and he just like, can, he like rubs her belly a lot and says all these just horrible things to her. And, um, the, 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 <laughs> well aware that he's being filmed for this thing um it's it's sold at the start as being like this is you know everything that happens in this is real exactly as you see it you know we didn't set anything up but um doing some more reading on it i mean it's kind of obvious that it, it's played very well but it's kind of obvious that it couldn't just go that well so well, the um kaufman's performance went from standard sort of stand-up comedy to this performance artist yes. level he was he was not like any other comedians that had ever no. come on the scene and no one knew exactly how to take him. So you were never quite sure what was real. Totally. What was, yeah. and, and this really blurs that line. It was really obvious at one point there's another table and they st- sort of start heckling him and stuff and they're like, hey, you're Andy Kaufman. And he's like, mind your own business and stuff. And you can tell that he's been a bit of a jerk and Blassie's... Mm. I don't know how much Blassie's actually in it. Or I think he thinks it's all... He either thinks it's all real or he's a much better actor than what you would imagine. But it's actually like... So Bob's mood is actually at the table as well. Oh, and then cool. the, um, at the other table where they're giving him grief and then um, obviously who he wouldn't have been well-known at the time so he would have got away with that. And um, the uh, woman who actually heckles Kaufman and, you know, starts a fight with him in the restaurant... Um, <laughs> becomes his wife yeah. uh, in real life. We've but, all seen the movie, Chris. But even in the... Um, but so, like, even in the... You know, the, the legend and the mystery of Kaufman is so great that even in the thing that I was reading, it was like, yes, this is set up and yes, Zamuda was there. But apparently she was just brought in as an actor and that's where they actually met and they yep. hadn't even met before. But, you know, who knows how to read any of this stuff. So it sounds like all the important people are in there. Does Tony Clifton make an appearance? <laughs> no, Tony Clifton... Well, he's there twice, I guess. But, um, no, it's just like... It's unbelievably boring. Like, Luke Calvin is like, sort of sweating a lot. He's got a neck brace on from because he's still recovering from the Lawler thing. Mm. Um, it's, it's just unbelievably bizarre. It's really, really funny. The, the things that really struck me about watching it this many... Because I'd seen it many years ago on... And I think you could even watch it on YouTube and stuff. It's been floating around for a long time. Mm. I don't think anyone's particularly you know, protective of the IP behind it. But um, the, uh, yeah, the, the, some of the things that really struck me was, was how um, clearly influential it was on, on um, like, Larry David, you know? Like, there's this real sense of... There's no way that Larry David hadn't watched, Curb, hadn't watched it before thinking about how Curb Your, Curb Your Enthusiasm was going to play out and how those just, like, awkward public conversations can be really 
traumatic and really, uh, you know, cringy at the time, but just make for really great watching. Mm. And then also just the, um, you know, the Tim Heidecker kind of style of like weird edits and sort of bad graphics at the start and all that kind of thing is really... I think, you know, there's no way Tim Heidecker hasn't seen it as well. Sure. So it was interesting sort of thinking about it in those contemporary terms with these uh, sort of, you know, I, I rate those two guys pretty highly for changing the way that TV comedy has gone in the last few years. So to sort of see that date back to this one-off weird, stupid idea that Kaufman had and pulled off mm. when he was having a, literally just having breakfast with this wrestling persona is fantastic. So it's great to be able to finally see it in a nice version, courtesy of our friends at Tubi. <laughs> so check out the Tubi app and watch um, that and a million other great things. People should re- like actually check out that Tubi app because there's it's some really amazing cool. stuff in there. There's a lot of garbage, but some of the garbage is amazing. Yeah, that's right. It's it's all <laughs> over the place. Uh, so yeah, that's me. My breakfast with Blessy from uh, 1983. I'll be watching that. And just as a bit of a thought, just uh, you were talking about your enthusiasm and the inspiration visually. Well, it may not necessarily be Larry David as much as uh, Robert Whitey. Ah, yes, yes, of, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you could Because be right. he created a lot of the visual stylings. And, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of really create that. So possibly Simon Foster. Yes, Dan. We're going to go for a massive grab bag of just interesting things you've been watching lately because they're all kind of thematically linked. Yes, they are. Is that my cue? Don't you have to say, what have you been watching? I didn't wait to not get my lead in. So Simon... <laughs> Question out of the blue, question without notice, what have you been watching? Well, I'm very fortunate, being a film critic, I see films sort of ahead of schedule occasionally, and I've watched a wonderful film which will be going into cinemas, oh, I should have checked the date, maybe on the 22nd or around that point. It's called Freaks. So it's probably in cinemas now. It may be in cinemas when you hear this. It's called Freaks. It stars Emile Hirsch, who's also doing the rounds in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Emile Hirsch plays... And who is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? He's Jay Sebrig. Mm. Uh, One of the friends Sharon of Tate's Sharon Tate's friend. Um, in Freaks, he plays a father who lives in a boarded-up house in what appears to be a, uh, a very standard sort of middle-class American neighbourhood. And he's got a young daughter played by Lexi Coulter. Uh, Colker, I think her name is. Um, and uh, he hides her away from the rest of the world. Now, he has occasional bouts of bleeding from the eye. Um, he won't <laughs> let her outside at all. Um, whenever anyone comes to the house, uh, he shoes them away very brusquely. Um, what plays out, and it's not giving away too much because this is in the trailer and you, some may have already seen it, um, they are the freaks of the title. They are superheroes, people or people with superpowers, I should say, living amongst us, um, but they have been herded up and shipped away to a, a mountain facility um, and which is essentially a concentration camp style because society has turned their back on these people who have certain types of, of superpowers. Um, Emil Hirsch and his daughter are staying hidden from the world. Hopefully they, they, they won't get picked up, but very soon things start to unravel. And it paints this really fascinating portrait of what would happen in a real-world situation to people who, who are able to fly, who are able to control our minds, who, are, who do have um, telekinetic powers or laser eyes or all those crazy things that we sort of have fun with when it's the Avengers, but in a real-world situation... How would we deal we with We probably sort of wouldn't celebrate those people with quite the same way. Which is exactly what this film says. Um, it's exactly what a film that was released earlier this year called Brightburn says. Um, it's about a... Uh, essentially, it's the Superman story, but from a horror perspective, what if this kid hit puberty? Um, and turned out to be a massive dick. And turned out to be a real <laughs> dick. And, and, and started, became, started using his... 
powers for evil instead of good. And it was a terrific little horror film. Um, starred Elizabeth Banks. I think it was produced by J.J. Abrams from off the top of my head. Um, and on uh, Amazon Prime at the moment, you can also watch The Boys, which is an adaptation of the graphic novel, which also, in, in a very complex way, also asked the question, what if superheroes existed but they were monetized by big business? They were um, made to live in a world where their uh, morality um, and their image and everything about them was controlled by big big business interests. Um, And I found that a really fascinating TV show. So there's all this... And it made me thinking, what are all these shows which sort of paint superhero powers in a, a, a negative way or in a, in a different kind of way? Um, is that all coming in the wake of, you know, 15 years of Marvel movies where everything's being mm. celebrated as shiny, gold and good? Maybe it's about time we question uh, these superheroes, how they sort of really sort of face up in a in a real world situation. So I think it's just kind of that natural extension of the fact that there have been so many superhero films made in the last 20 years, we'll say. Well, really 15, I guess, sort of yep. post-Iron Man. Uh, but obviously that's not the first superhero film. There's been a bunch, and particularly sure. through the 2000s, there are actually quite a few. Hmm. So we'll say 20 years. Um, while there's been all these, there's a whole bunch of IP around that I think people have just been trying to get up. And it's just easier to get comic properties up. Mm-hmm. And the further that you get into superheroes, suddenly there's going to be all these other properties of which require... Sorry, I thought that was a thing. No, no, no. Uh, all these other properties of which are there ready to be picked up. And when you start getting away, like within comics, when you start getting away from the main superhero stuff, that's when you start finding those more textually rich characters that start questioning sure. the idea of what comics are all about. So it makes sense as you start mining further away from the just expected canon that you're just suddenly going to start finding more interesting, just textually rich TV series. I think also, and yeah, and I, I think also maybe it plays into the why those movies. You know, we've talked at length even on this podcast. I think, I think even last time you were on here when we were, um, what, what was the first? What was, was it Captain Marvel? Captain yeah, Marvel, Captain Marvel. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Not, uh, which I watched after it. You know, we're talking about this kind of idea that you know, like people being different. You know, everybody wants to have this. Everyone wants to feel special and they want to have this thing celebrated again about them and stuff like that. But maybe that works the other way as well, where there's, you know, you can look at the paranoia around that and everybody. Uh, the, the reverse side of that is like, oh, I, I am different to everybody else, and I and I am this freak, and I am this kind of like mm. person that you know is suff- it, it doesn't see myself as part of society well, in this other kind of I, way. I get that because I'm a very perceptive person, <laughs> and I've been talking about how great the movie Avatar is, and the rest of the world just do not want to hear. They it. don't want to know. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I watched the um, preview for um, Freaks. I actually yes. watched that today. Uh, on a heads up that you were going to talk about oh, it. Actually, nice. I'm lying. You're doing your research. Don't tell everyone we broke format. <laughs> we did break it a little bit there, <laughs> but it was awesome. And the thing that I, I mean, it, instantly I was just like, man, I got to watch this movie. It's yeah. a very, very good trailer. Exactly the same as the Bright Burn one. I watched that as well and went, man, I got to watch this. I haven't watched either of them yet, obviously. Sure. But um, they work so well just because it's this spark of a really, really cool idea and the really twist out of the familiar theme. The thing about Freaks that really blew me away was that. I mean, and I'm sure if you watch the movie without having seen this trailer, you probably get a better sense of that, or I would hope so, where, you know, at first it's just like, oh man, this guy's a freak. Like, you know, this guy's a, this, it's called Freaks because this guy's a weird dude. He's locking his kid away from the world. Mm. He's paranoid. He's delusional. He's all these kind of things. Yep. You know, is this, is it going to like p- play out in this way that it's like, oh, you know, she's, maybe she's going to escape and maybe her dad's the bad guy, but maybe he's not. It's just like, it was in, in the two minutes of the trailer, it just blew. 
you know, it asked so many questions, and it didn't even really get to the point where it was answering them as no, much exactly. as what I think you did in your spiel there. So I know the trailer, and it's a great sizzle trailer. I I didn't quite get what the film was about Had based no on the idea, trailer, no. but it's got some stunning visuals in it, as as does the, the film obviously does. It was um, a, a fairly low budget film. It premiered at Toronto this time last year. It's taken a year to get to our shores. Um, it did have some hints of this. It had some hints of the supernatural yes, kind it does. of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. and the. Um, What's most fascinating about it, and and as with all good horror and science fiction, all good genre cinema, there's more below the surface than than you would expect. Certainly, as much as you'd hope for. It is the young girl story, and it's it's really sort of a a young woman, uh, and I think she's sort of eight or nine. She's um, discovering herself and and the world around her, and realizing she is very different, um, and she does have these powers. But from those powers, she can gain her own strength and, and she can gain her own sort of passage through life. Um, it, it, it ultimately begs the question, and, and a little bit of a spoiler alert here, it ultimately begs the question, does she decide to go um, down the good path and become a, a Supergirl type of character? Or does she go the other way? Does she decide to live amongst the people and if the people can't handle it, then she'll get rid of the people? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so it's a, it's a really fascinating turn, putting that sort of power in the in the hands of this little girl. Um, and it's just a really cleverly told story as well. There's a lot of intercutting back between what's happening in with the house, with the police outside the house, in the mountain where the, the superheroes are being kept for experimentation. It's, it's, a, it's a really dark... Um, kind of intense independent piece of sci-fi horror that I that I can't recommend highly enough. Cool. Now we're going to wrap this up in just a moment, but you sure. did talk about The Boys. Now, I find The Boys really interesting. This is an adaptation of a Garth Ennis comic book series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garth Ennis, he's probably really best known as a comic book writer for creating Preacher, which is oh, now a TV even, series. Even I've heard of that one. Yeah, so Preacher is <laughs> this really cool series that ran through the 90s, and it's very much about the 90s. It's like a post-Kurt sort of Cobain-centred sort of, um, series. Kurt Cobain features quite heavily as um, part of the series to a certain degree. I, I can't say too much in case someone goes back and reads it, because <laughs> there's some fun stuff there. Uh, but it doesn't really work so much in 2017 or whenever that TV series started onwards. So I've done a fair bit of retrofitting. The result of that is it's not a very good TV show based on a very good comic book series. The Boys, though, and I haven't seen it yet, but mm-hmm. people have really been talking this up. And my understanding is it's quite a good TV series based on what's actually a fairly bad comic book series. Okay, well, I don't know the comic book series at all, so yeah. I can't come at it from that perspective. I can say that it is um, a very ideas-rich kind of story um, The from the, the giant corporation that controls the... Uh, superheroes to the personalities of the superheroes themselves all the way down to the young man played by Jack Quaid who's inspired to go after the the soups as they're called when in the very first episode in the pilot episode he's holding his um, girlfriend on a curb and A-Train the uh, the speedster the fast running like, like the, the flash. flash yeah the yeah. flash sort of version in in, in, in the boys world um mows her down takes her apart and in slow motion you see her body come apart and he's just left there holding her hands and you never quite um so he's inspired to get revenge for that he meets up with carl urban uh, who's leading this underground resistance fight against the uprise of the soups um and from that point on there's a lot of complex twisting and turning which i can certainly imagine as playing out really well in a, in a graphic novel um 
The first episode aired at the Tribeca Film Festival to good reviews. Some reviews for the subsequent episodes haven't been that great. I've got to say, I'm hooked. I, I love the way that the violence is used, or the way the the supers superpowers are used in the in the storyline. Um, and Jack Quaid's a great leading man. He's the son of um, uh, Dennis. Dennis and Meg Ryan, oh, and he's a um, so he's got it in his genes. So yeah. yeah, look, I really, I, I'm really enjoying the boys at the moment. How far I'm into it are you? Six, oh, six wow. episodes. That's a fair chunk. So yeah. I'm a fair chunk into it, and 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 each episode certainly continues the the strong sort of thematic line that's gone through all the episodes, but each have different directorial styles. Each has a different director. Um, a lot of foul language, as I stated, a lot of violence, but it's all done um, with a very sort of convincing eye and 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 great detail. Now, if in like the complete just unexpected chance that you're listening to this and you're a woman, can you please get in contact with me? Because I've heard a whole bunch of people in the last couple of days tell me to watch The Boys, but every single person who has heavily recommended it, in fact, the only people I know who have seen it, have all been men of whom have been aged between like maybe about like 40 through to 55. And they've all gushed over the series. I've not heard a single woman actually say that they've watched this TV program. <laughs> yeah, so let me know. I'd be curious to know. Like, I would, I would ask people to contact Dan, not just because he's lonely, but because he's... <laughs> but mostly because of that. <laughs> because of that. Uh, it has a very strong element for the Me Too generation, for the Me Too movement. The character played by Aaron Moriarty, uh, Starlight, um, suffers terrible workplace harassment um, and decides to stand very strongly against the, the corporate world. Um, the huge corporate organisation called Voight is run by Elizabeth Shue, Throwback to the last time I was here with Hollow Man. Thank oh, you very yes. much. We come full circle. And uh, she is a ruthless um, woman executive, but also someone who has to deal with sexism in the workplace. So there is some very sort of um, contemporary themes and, and very modern sort of viewpoints expressed in the film, although it being a quote-unquote blokey kind of superhero yeah. show. It just struck me. Like, there's just something about this show where it seems to be dudes of whom have really You're absolutely right, yeah. Where can we watch this one? It is on Amazon Prime. Uh, Amazon Prime yes. Yeah. yeah. Where you can also watch uh, the young... What's that show called? You were going crazy for it. Oh. Only the... We'll tighten this up, folks, don't worry. Old Die Young. Oh, my God. Have you seen that? Um, Is that the two, Peter Jackson? Two... two, two, two Old to Die Young. That's the series name. No, I don't. Too Old to Die Young. If you've got Amazon Prime, watch this with immediate haste. Well, if you ask me back, maybe I'll talk about that show. That'd be great. I'd actually love to talk about it too because I was only able to talk about it. I haven't been able to talk about it because Dan recommended it to me. This is one of the fatal flaws of the show. <laughs> There's only so many hours in a week. Dan gives me heaps of great recommendations. Sure. Watch them. Then I can't talk about them. So then I've got to talk about something I watched 30 years ago. <laughs> But I can highly this thing that show is incredible. It's 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 really blown my mind, and I'm only like I'm only one episode in, but I've watched that I've watched the first episode like three times okay. to give you some kind of weird sense of like, which is probably the right way to watch that show. It's so good. I think I'll watch it again tonight. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, that brings us to the end of yet another Sterling. Always be watching. Awesome. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, and I assume that you have, leave a review. Helps other people find the show. Good reviews. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, you won't find Chris, but Simon Foster, where can people find you? And more importantly, give yourself a bit of a plug because you've got a little bit of a film festival on the We hands. do have a festival. You can contact me at my ScreenSpace Twitter handle, which is at SimonRFoster1 on Twitter. I'm um, at ScreenSpace on uh, on the Facebook. Uh, you can also come to my website, scififilmfestival.com.au. We launch our sixth annual Sci-Fi Film Festival at the event George Street Cinemas. 
Friday the 6th through to Sunday the 8th, we're screening the new film Necrotronic from the guys that made Wormwood a couple of years back. That was a big cult hit, and this one's just as nutty. Um, that was like a sort of cheap Australian... Zombie sort zombie. of splatter yeah. epic. And Necrotronic awesome. uh, is kind of a big deal. They got Monica Bellucci to come out in oh, here wow. to star as the baddie in it. and it's She's like got, a real person. She's like a real international actress, yes. Um, so I'm looking forward to that on opening night and then a whole bunch of good uh, sci-fi films over the weekend. So September 6th through 8th here in George Street, Sydney. And when you hear the phrase sci-fi films, you're probably thinking about like a lot of the standards being played. These are like cool indie, just like really just interesting, fascinating movies. Oh, they're cool, baby. Um, it, uh, we've got two German features, the world premiere of a German film called A Living Dog. We have a Croatian film for the whole family called My Grandpa is an Alien. Um, and a whole selection of sci-fi shorts directed by women, which is being presented, uh, co-presented with the Women in Film and Television, um, organization on Sunday from 1.30. So do get along and see those, uh. Nine features from 17 countries, 32 short films, all part of my sci-fi film festival. Awesome stuff. And yeah, these are the sort of films where you probably won't really come across them again. And if you see maybe five films at the festival, at least three of them will have like serious memory burn for you and you'll be thinking about them for years to come. (laughs) That's what I like. Memory burn in all my patrons. Yeah. Anyway, this has been always... Be- oh, sorry. I should do me again, shouldn't I? Uh, Dan Barrett, you can find me on social media. Uh, if you've liked this podcast, you can find it at alwaysbewatching.com. We've got a regular newsletter you can sign up to and get all the interesting screen stories from the day. And I'm quite, I'm quite active in our Facebook community. Yeah. Which I quite like. So yeah, if you want to... always be watching community on Facebook. If you want to uh, tell me about all the things I said wrong, as people have been doing regularly, <laughs> that's the place to do it. I'll be very gracious and I do appreciate it. <laughs> no, it is good. I actually meant to give something from the corrections department. I don't remember. Oh, it was in the every, John Landis John films. Landis films. Yeah. Uh, it's not See You Next Tuesday. No, which is a... Uh, the, uh, I forget the way the, the guy described it. It was very funny. Which is a acronym, a, a rude acronym or something. It's See You Next Wednesday. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, which so is that's a shame. good. But then we, and we also got, re- I got a few really great recommendations through that as well for John Landis films that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. So please, yes, get more involved in that community. I love it. Indeed. If you've got more problematic film directors, get in contact with us because <laughs> we'd like to see their work. <laughs> yes. Uh, this has been Always Be Watching. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we will catch you next week where we're going to have more things that we've watched. <laughs>